and then the zombies, right? So just like market fluctuations, surprises in development, uh, changes in the economy, you know, they come out of nowhere and they get you, just like a zombie you weren't paying attention to. That's my guest, Kurt Stangl, describing the topic of this special Halloween-themed show. We recorded it yesterday on Halloween, as you'll hear. Kurt is a product manager and agile strategy and practice director at Favor Tech Consulting, based up in Buffalo, New York. We met and bonded online over our interest in product management as a discipline. And as you'll hear, in a recent conversation, the discussion turned to a very Halloween-related topic. Hi, this is Nels Davis, and you're listening to episode number 97 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. You can find the notes for this episode and links to the articles and videos we discuss at secretsofpm.com slash 97. Despite the topic, zombies, I don't think you'll find this episode very scary, but it might make you think a bit differently about lean software development and the advantages a seven-day sprint can bring you, at least in a survival video game. Well, so Kurt, this is great. We were talking earlier this week, and we've just recently gotten to know each other, which has been fantastic. I guess we've been sort of following each other for a while on LinkedIn. But we just recently started getting to know each other, so we had a conversation earlier, and we found out that we have something in common, which is that we both like playing what are called survival video games, where you're a person that you land on an un, in an unknown place, or it may be a known place, and you have to keep yourself alive by building tools and fending off enemies and terrible things like that. And the world is trying to kill you, basically, and you're trying to not die. And so the game that I play, it's called Ark Survival Evolved, and it's about dinosaurs. The, the, the bad guys in that are mostly dinosaurs, if you're playing single player. And so they're trying to kill you, and you're trying to tame them and use them to battle other dinosaurs and things like that. Very fun, very immersive. You end up building all kinds of cool stuff and the advancing way, way, way high, and you can do breeding and all these things. So that's what happens in Ark. And I've, I do have not that many hours into arc only a few hundred um unlike some people who play it really seriously but kurt you play another game that is really a good game to talk about on halloween which is the day that we're recording this so tell me a little bit about the game that you play and then we'll get into how it ties into product management well thanks nils um so my wife and i play seven days to die i got hooked on it years ago probably version four. And as a piece of software, I saw something interesting that the developers were doing. They were actually using lean development in the video game space, which isn't always a thing. Uh, So I got hooked on actually watching them develop it, but it was in rough shape. But then over the next half a dozen versions, the game really shaped up and this meta thing happened. While I noticed I wanted to see how the game team was growing the game in a lean fashion, I found out that the constraints of the game were kind of this weird, perfect incubator for understanding lean development. So That's fantastic. Yeah, it got all meta, and then the game got fun, and then, you know, the rest is history. So tell me a little bit about the game itself. What's the point of this game? Okay, so, you know, it's the zombie apocalypse. No surprise there. Um, But this is really hardcore survival. So if you can make it past the first seven days, you're doing good. And you start in the world all naked. uh, And then 
in that way, it's like a startup. You start with nothing and every decision you make either makes or breaks what happens to you. You got to find some plant fibers and make some clothes. You got to get an ax. You got to find some food and you got to find a place to hide. Um, and then the zombies, right? So just like market fluctuations, <laughs> surprises in development, uh, changes in the economy, you know, they come out of nowhere and they get you just like a zombie you weren't paying attention to. <laughs> and then the seven days to die really is the horde, right? What yes. happens on the on day seven? Well, so that's a great mechanic. So they have this thing called the blood moon and every seven days, the zombies just come at you in waves. So mm -hmm. in a way it locks you into these kind of seven day sprints, which is important because you know, so many big companies, especially big companies like you and I, we work where they have two day sprints, three day or two week sprints, three week sprints. And, you know, you don't really understand what agility is till you can get into a one week sprint, right? Till you can get that tempo. And I remember my first agile coach going, well, one week sprints are the best. And my entire team groaned. Well, adapting to seven-day sprints and understanding those atomic product pieces and how to engineer them and validate them and deliver them quickly, it's that way of thinking is so hard to get to. And this game kind of locks you into thinking because every seven days, whether you want it or not, the horde's coming. And it's like market forces. You know, the horde is always coming. It's just around the corner and you got to be ready. Mm -hmm. And you have to get stuff done, right? So what done done is a really meaningful concept in seven days to die, right? Absolutely. Your, your horde base has to be ready to prevent the zombies can do things like they can knock down your walls and, and tear your stuff up. If you're not, if you're not without careful. a doubt, they're going to tear them and tear them down and they're going to get bigger and stronger with each sprint. Uh, and that's the thing, right? Uh, lean development is about understanding the iron triangle. Features, resources, and time. Uh, and in the game, right? So, you know, everybody has this fantasy. I want to build the coolest zombie base ever. But if you get locked into trying to build too much or spending too much time not paying attention and not doing what you should, zombies are coming at the end of the seven days. and You're either ready or you're not. And they're going to surprise you. Uh, and, you know, if you build too lean, the quote-unquote market forces will get you. But if you build too much, you get into this, you know, this hustle that we've all seen where it just, you know, product maintenance just overwhelms you, where it takes mm -hmm. so much time and energy just to maintain something that might be a little old or not designed well enough. And, you know, that's time that you could have spent being more profitable, more lean, quicker, better, right. smarter. Yeah. And. Of course, one of the things that happens in Seven Days to Die is if the horde overwhelms you and your base, you're done. The game is over for you, right? <laughs> well, so they are patient. Like, like you can have a setting that lets you just respawn where you were. But sure. uh, my wife and I tend to play on the hardest setting, and when you die, you just lose everything. <laughs> right? Yeah. So the, the the metaphor is not totally one hundred percent obviously, but it's it's such an interesting game, and if people are interested in learning more about seven days to die and watching some gameplay i'll put some links in the show notes to some some of the really great players who you can watch on youtube and it's it's kind of fun to watch these guys uh play so yeah like, glock, glock nine, nine is particularly mentioned. entertaining 
yeah, he's very entertaining. You have he's uh, not P, not PG rated though. No. Uh, so <laughs> nope. <laughs> so so I think that the fact that you saw this as a metaphor, and in fact, almost not even a metaphor, but an actual example of lean. Yeah, the development of the game, and then your own playing of the game. Can you talk a little bit about how you have tried to apply some of those principles in your own play? I, absolutely. So, you know, I'm going to wander a little bit, but I'll bring it home. So, sure. The challenge is everybody talks about little L lean development and capital L lean development. And, you know, we throw these words back and forth in meetings and presentations because all the cool kids are saying all the right things. But lean thinking is it's thinking and a process. And to Mm -hmm. do it is really hard, especially when you start stretching out sprints for two weeks, three weeks. And then, you know, it might be, you know, a half a dozen sprints over a quarter to see the impact that's happening, uh, especially if your analytics aren't in place the way that you should, for you to understand what was lean and what was successful and how do you apply the metrics to what you build to get the right results quickly and cleanly, it just isn't easy for the human mind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about months and months and months, and that's just not the best thing humans do when it comes to you know, putting these pieces together over long periods of time. Right. The game is a great incubator because it accelerates everything at a speed where your thinking becomes the process because it comes at you so fast. You don't have time to waste or you're going to die. So Mm -hmm. what features of my base am I going to build? What resources am I going to use to build it? And how long do I have to get it? So in very short order, a few hours in game, this cycle begins to reveal itself. And you get to participate in the entire cycle very rapidly. And it's Mm -hmm. that kind of mindset that really helps underscore the significance of those choices. Right. Yeah. And so have you been able to take some of these insights from playing the game into your work, basically? Absolutely. Um, And I would like to say there was direct cause, (laughs) but it wasn't. It was more just kind of immersing myself in this experience, and it clicked, where one of the things I have a tough time in my daily coaching is to get people to understand how lean validation upfront saves so much time and energy for the engineering team to deliver. Right. And by that, you know, so let's say, you know, instead of having a quick dry erase session where we pick a button and put it on the page and get everyone to agree and pull their opinions in, right? You get that friction of humans trying to cooperate and collaborate. But if you skip that, you know, that's a half hour discussion in a meeting room or virtually that happens really quick. If somebody makes that decision in a vacuum and sends it through the pipeline, all of a sudden that one button becomes tens of thousands of dollars to implement, Mm -hmm. then to remove, right? Because everybody says it's 200%, it's 300%. You got (laughs) to implement it first, then you got to undo it, and then you got to redo it the right way. And by the time you get to implementing it the right way, you know, 
more people are involved, more tensions are involved. Whereas if you would have just had that moment up front where you said, well, is this going to work and make it so, right? right? You know, and so, you know, in the, in the game, what does that mean? That means building two doors instead of one and building them out of different materials and watching how long it takes, <laughs> right? <laughs> so you get that, you get that. Uh, well, I guess that is another direct impact of this, kind, this game kind of changing how I thought, which is rapid experimentation, right? right. Um, Teresa Torres has been really kind of at the forefront of it, but it's hard for people, especially when they skip science class, to really understand the impact of lean experimentation, like mm-hmm. run those fast experiments. Um, you know, when we met, one of the things I was talking about was when Sam taught me that I had all the tools in the toolbox, but I needed to rearrange them to get a better impact. Right. And so that, you're talking about Sam, Sam McAfee, who is one of your mentors. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Sam is great. Um, and, you know, when he brought me through my first lean experiment and made that direct correlation, it was as profound as a Geiger counter, right? You know, yeah. you know, once upon a time we were all afraid of radiation. We didn't know how to see it, didn't know how to find it, didn't know anything, right? Then they invented the Geiger counter and you can wave it around and you can hear the increase in taps. Brrr. You know, when you right. get close to it, there's that instant feedback loop where you know what you're doing. You can't see it, but you know what's happening and you know what the effects are going to be. And it's mm-hmm. that kind of literal impact that you want your lean experimentation to have. And like I said, you know, there's so many things in this game that just echo that, right? You have seven days to die. So your first seven days, it's like a startup. Everything mm-hmm. you do, you have to make the right decision or you get cooked, right? Or, you know, and then as you get bigger and bigger, maintenance, scalability, right? Did I build my base too big? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, what kind of crazy zombies? What, you know, things are happening that I didn't foresee. So making that forethought part of the process was just, Mm -hmm. um, it was important. And, you know, zombies. Zombies, yeah. You also have a background, not just in playing survival games, uh, you know, which is the appropriate thing for Halloween today, but you have a background in some other, you were involved in another video game company yourself, right? Yeah, I was with Sony Online Entertainment and LucasArts, and I was the community relations manager for Star Wars Galaxies, um, which actually, believe it or not, ties in. Uh, so my professional mentors at the time, Raf Coster and Kevin O'Hara, you know, they were part of... Eric Reese's first movement, right? He was involved in Maple Story. So, you know, video games and lean development. Uh, and back at the time, I was a player and I got to participate in lean tests, right? You know, as players, it seemed weird. We would log into the game and they would have us do silly things. And we had no idea what relationship it had to the game because, of course, we were young kids and we weren't realizing the impact of how much time and energy it takes for engineers to implement something complicated and, you know, running that quick lean test to, you know, all the players can be in one area at one time and we can all do activity A or activity B and the servers don't choke. And, you know, we weren't seeing that kind of activity on the background, you know, it was just us players Mm -hmm. horsing around on the front end, but 
um, you know, to have had the opportunity to be exposed to lean development from the onset, you know, really helped plant great seeds. And that was definitely part of it. So you mentioned that I think you had a really interesting uh, thing we were talking about before we started recording about how games have done so much to drive technology. Yeah. The years. Can you talk a little bit about that? I would love to, um, you know, I don't often get to nerd in this direction very often. So I'm, you know, thanks for asking. <laughs> People don't understand that video games were developed, uh, if I recall, as early as the 50s. And what they were trying to do is people didn't understand what that box on the table could do. So video games it was were... A, it, was a, it was a whole room at that time, remember? Right? Well, you know, <laughs> it was a whole table. room, <laughs> right? And tapes and punch cards and all kinds all of things. Yeah. Right? But so they developed video games so that you could participate in the computational power of what was happening on the computer. So video games have driven the forefront of technology for decades now, whether mm -hmm. it's you know something as recent as augmented reality or virtual reality or something, you know, they were doing simple machine language, uh, simple AI years ago. You know, even in the 90s, there was dipping their toes into AR and VR and, um, you know, every video game that's got a bad guy that's not run by a human being is using artificial intelligence. And, right. you know, there's tends to be a lot higher end of folks that are developing that technology. Uh, definitely high end talent. And so you mentioned that, so you get these people together who are really good at technology and obviously design in these big game studios. And, and these turn into really giant, well, like se even Seven Days to Die, I assume, is a pretty big team. But something, you know, the, the games that show up on the Sony system, those are even bigger teams. Talk a little bit about your perception or your, what you learned about Lean in that context and some of the pitfalls if you don't do it right. I want to be nice to everybody, but talking about success and failure sometimes rubs people's fur the wrong way, so I'll leave the names out, right? Sounds good. You, you know, you can have games that are $10 million to launch, and they completely bomb. Imagine being an investor and watching $10 million burn because you didn't do any lean validation at the front end, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You assumed you knew what the players want. You assumed you knew what the market want even if it's mirroring similar trends, right? You know, it, it's like um, a couple of years ago, there was a zombie movie coming out every couple of days and then people right. get burned out on it and then they're done with it, right? Um, you know, so there's these meta cycles of the market and what people are interested in when and when they want to buy something, right? Uh, and mm -hmm. having to mirror all of those things, right? If you're, especially if you're, making the bad choice of doing a me too product because you think, you know, the world needs another shooter or another platformer without doing the homework, without generating that lean audience, without testing your hypotheses, which mm -hmm. at a video game scale is very hard to do because they're much larger productions. Um, you're going to pay the price big time. Right. And I think that's where an interesting shift in the web is because the, you know, 20 years ago, the technologies were not considered on par, but they are today. Uh, mm -hmm. When you consider everything that's happening, you know, web technologies, platforms are huge. We, you and I both work on platforms where, you know, there's 
over 60 people. So having to organize 60 people to build something that somebody wants <laughs> takes yeah. time and energy, right? You have to. Now you have my to platform get... has 600 developers. Yeah, that's so. a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. And organizing all that, that's all those people, people's work to interact. And some of it, you know, there are some silos that are, that may, make sense, right? There's certain things that, yeah, there's a lot of expertise in this area who knows about that, but there's always things that have to connect to other parts of the system as well. And, and that can be a big challenge as well. Here again, I'm going to go back to lean development, right? When you can run those lean experiments and have people participate in them, they become part of the process. When people mm -hmm. become part of the process, they become invested. Happy people make great software. Sad people make crappy software. <laughs> so when people... need to put that on a t-shirt. Right? Well, you know, it's one of those things that I wish everyone knew, but, you know, it, I mean, there's been a great trend towards servant leadership and quality of the workplace. So it's definitely nice to see things change. It took, mm -hmm. you know, I guess with all human movements, I wanted it to get here sooner than it got here, but at least it's here now. <laughs> well, this has been really fun. It's amazing how much this initial sort of offhand comment that you made about Seven Days to Die has led to a, a lot of interesting conversations. And I think it's a great Halloween episode. I really appreciate you coming along and playing along with me on this, Kurt, because I think we actually got into some pretty deep stuff. So final question, what are you going as for Halloween? Uh, right now, uh, I will be passing out candy as Heath Ledger's Joker this evening. Fantastic. So that was a scary character. So. <laughs> Hey, it's, it's, again, it's back to our business. If you're good at something, never do it for free. <laughs> oh, great. So we'll have a happy Halloween. Hope you have a lot of kids come by. I'm happy that you're out there helping the kids have a nice, scary Halloween and a lot of sweets, I'm sure. Yeah. So. Nils, thanks so much for having me uh, on your show. I really appreciate the time. This was a whole lot of fun. If anyone wants to reach out, uh, get to know you, find out more about you, Kurt, what's the best way to do that? Uh, find me on LinkedIn, uh, backslash Thunderheart. I'm still carrying my old Sony uh, Sony name. I will, uh, I'll put that, the link to your LinkedIn profile on the show notes, so people will hopefully be able to reach out to you there and learn more about your very interesting background and maybe talk to you about the fun game that you, you and your wife play. And Absolutely. Thanks very much. Thanks, Nils. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.